Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Kurt Levins. Hey, Kurt. Hey, David. How are you tonight? I'm good. It was kind of an okay game. You know, the Oilers lost 2-1 to one in, in overtime. I was kind of maybe falling asleep a little bit in the second period, but uh, it the game picked up in the third. Seattle gave a big push, and uh, it was an interesting game in the end. Uh, you're here tonight because Bruce McCurdy couldn't watch the game, along with probably half of all Oilers fans. If, you're, <laughs> if you have TELUS, I think you got the NBC channel. So if you realize that it was on NBC, and if you have TELUS, you could watch it. And that's how both you and I watched it. You you get that. We both get that station. But uh, Shaw customers don't get that particular NBC affiliate, and they did not see the game tonight. And it wasn't on the Oilers' website due to technical difficulties. So, um and my cat's scratching the heck out of my couch over there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we get King Five out here in the coast, so it's part of our cable package out here. So it was, it's kind of, kind of bizarre to be watching the Oilers on 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 that Seattle channel after all these years. But yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of people when they lost the feed didn't didn't have didn't have a view of the game tonight. So we're maybe among a minority this evening. So, alrighty. So uh, the Oilers lost two to one in overtime. They were they were up one nothing and then the last minute of the game they crack and tied it up. Let's do two good things, two bad things, and two numbers. And because it looked like it was going to be an Oilers win, at least we'll go with two good things each. Kurt, what's your? Well, why don't I start it off? Because the story of the game really is Stuart Skinner, I think. And yeah, agree. Uh, he he, I think that was the best I've ever seen him play as a professional was in that game tonight. And and he had games last season, kind of leading up to this where he looked like he was capable of this kind of game. But you may recall in his in his one game in Edmonton last year, he was he was kind of iffy, and he let in five mm-hmm. goals, and he didn't look comfortable in the net. He's getting more and more uh, square to the puck, less likely. One of the issues, he's, he's, he's now and then been a little bit out of position. He gets out of position after he makes a save. I didn't notice that as much tonight. I saw him square to the puck, up on his feet, fast, um, just really alert, and super solid he made it wasn't a high event game in terms of scoring chances uh seattle apparently outshot the orders according to the official count but i think the scoring chances were about even and i'm going to guess there was probably about six or seven true grade a chances each it wasn't a really big offensive game but um seattle started to come on in the second period and i thought Stuart skinner was they, they got a lot of outside shots there, and he was technically sound and blocked everything. And then he made some really big saves in the third period, including a one-two-on-one where uh, Devon Shore wiped out, and there was a two-on-one as a result. And uh, Skinner made a great save there. He got beat on a tip shot um, in fr- right in front of the net by Jaden Schwartz at the end of the game, and on a one-timer power play that he really had no chance on. So uh, he had a great game. I thought. What did you think of him? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you just said. The 1-1 one, one goal was actually it was a double deflection. So the shot from the point ticked off a stick about 20 feet off the blue line. Then the deflection right in front, which which popped it into the net. I, I agree yeah. with you. I didn't think he had a, a chance on either one. Um, I thought that he looked confident, whereas in his NHL debut last year, he didn't. Uh, and he looked square to the puck almost all the time. Uh, he, he looked like an NHL level goaltender tonight. Certainly the best performance I have seen out of him. 
Yeah. Have you noticed the same thing? Like in the past, like he seems to be like, why I, I watch him play. I think like, why are you there in the net? Like, why aren't you, why aren't you over here? I, I would <laughs> see him shooter. over. I, yeah. I would see him over commit in the past and, and, and yeah. maybe, maybe lose his, lose his net a little bit. I didn't see that at all tonight. It felt like he was in position all night long. It, it he's really getting it down and he's got another year where the Oilers can send him to the farm uh, get through waivers without um, having another team able to take him. He's protected. So um, one more year of development. And, you know, Kurt, the Oilers really are going to need to find some bargain hockey players. And um, if they can go, if Mike Smith is up to it as a 39 and 40 year old, which is a possibility, they're going to need another, obviously another goalie when Koskinen's contract runs out. And if so, Skinner has a real opportunity here and, and he's kind of, she's starting like the verbal from the organization, I've never got the sense that they see him as the goalie of the future, but he's starting to earn that a little bit with his play in the playoffs and last yeah. season in the HL. And he's starting to, he's starting to get some, I think he's going to get some respect within the orders organization. And, and I bet you that did a, went a long way and maybe tonight's play with Dave Tippett thinking, oh, maybe there's a goalie here. Well, you know what? It gives me some confidence. And if one of the guys gets hurt. I'm okay with with him coming up and being the backup and get the game here or there. So I would say yeah. that. Uh, and the other thing I would say is I agree with you. Given the situation the Oilers are vis-a-vis the cap, to have one of their two goaltenders next season be on his ELC or a contract you know comparable to those dollars would be really important to this organization from a financial standpoint. Yeah. What's your good thing, Kurt? Your first good thing, uh, Mike. My first good thing was the Oilers' first line tonight, uh, centered by uh, newcomer Derek Ryan, uh, with newcomer Zach Hyman on the left side and uh, Kyler Yamamoto uh, playing in front of a close-to-hometown crowd tonight. I saw his, I don't know if you saw David, but his mom and dad and grandma and grandpa were in the rink uh, tonight in Washington State to watch him play, which must have been a thrill for Kyler. Um, And I thought that uh, even though the three of them didn't get on the scoreboard tonight, uh, I thought they were the best line on the ice on either side. They looked like a real NHL, you know, second slash third line uh, that could play in all situations. Um, uh, Derek Ryan, I was wondering, boy, is he really a, a four center and he's going to be playing 3C this year? I don't know. As I watch him through training camp, he's performing like a 3C. Now, we're halfway through the exhibition season. I always say there's two halves to any exhibition season. The first half, where you can look good, but that doesn't mean you are. <laughs> it's the second half of the exhibition season where you really kind of need to, to turn it up and perform. I've seen lots of good players over the years look good over the first three, four games, and then they just throw darts for the for the rest of the for the rest of the preseason. But I gotta say, Derek Ryan is giving me some confidence in that three P, three uh, three C position. And Zach Hyman is he's the real deal, man. Some of the work that he did uh, down low and again uh, below the Below the goal line in, in the Kraken end tonight, he's a load. Uh, one, he's a real heavy player uh, who's great on the walls, uh, great protecting the puck, and he skates better than I remember him seeing. Like he's got really good straight-ahead speed. The three of them were effective tonight, and despite the two on loss, I, I thought they were the best trio on the ice. I have found it personally very encouraging to watch Hyman I mean I I knew from the Toronto games that he was a good player but I hadn't watched him closely now I'm watching him closely he skates a bit better than I thought uh he's he's a bit better with the puck than I than I thought and uh on the tying goal he maybe was a little slow to get to Giordano at the point 
Um, maybe he could have blocked that shot. He got a little turned around because he thought the play was going to go one way and it went the other way. But he he was involved in a number of plays um, twice, I think, where he screened the goalie. And because he was kind of like jamming the goalie, there was great chances for, for both Ryan and Yamamoto. Uh, but the best play came actually in the third period. He he, the puck goes into uh, the Seattle end. He charges after it and he just hammers in, hammers down on uh, the Seattle player, and the puck comes squirting loose to Yamamoto, who's who set up Ryan right in the slot for yeah, you yeah. know maybe the best chance of the game really for the Oilers in a lot of ways, and and Ryan couldn't score. So yeah. He, uh, he's, he, he, you know, the Chris Kunitz comparison is starting to think, oh, that maybe, there, maybe there's an air of reality to that yeah, uh, comparison. So. Cause that's, he really reminds me of that player and, and, um, you know, kind of a, uh, same kind of uh, tools in his toolkit. So, so far so good. What is your second good thing, Kurt? Uh, my second good thing was uh, Brendan Perlini. Uh, this guy has four preseason goals now, uh, and in the and in the battle for that four right wing position, you have to feel like, from a pure performance on the ice standpoint, contractual things, uh, you know, uh, you can look at this through a different lens. But from purely how he's he's playing on the ice, it looks like he's got a he's got a neck on Tyler Benson for that four right wing job. Um, that was a lovely high high deflection uh, for the yeah. for the one nothing goal tonight. You yeah. know what he's he's got he's got size, he's got speed, and he's got hands. Um, he he ain't he ain't the perfect player. Um, there's a reason why he was in Europe last year, and there's a reason why he went goalless in what was it forty games in 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 Detroit or whatever. Uh, this guy's been through the ringer a little bit, but he's got tools um, and. Early in this preseason, he's put it together, and he's looking like a player. Now, spin back to what I just said about... Yeah, yeah, I was going to remind you of that, Kurt. (laughs) I've seen lots of players like him look really good in the early going, and I thought, oh, got to be. This guy's going to be on the team. And then all of a sudden, they go quiet. So, so far, so good. This guy looks like a really good find. But once all the other teams that the Oilers are going to play start to make their cuts and get down to their actual team... Let's see how he does against a real NHL team. Although Seattle had close to their full lineup on the ice tonight. Yeah, they didn't have uh, Yanni Gord or Larson. But, or Larson. Uh, but Awfully close, that, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder. So I noticed tonight, like, he, he has a tremendous shot, and he and he got off a couple of good shots. Um his passing though, his, his offensive reads, I think he was on a power play and there were some other situations where he didn't make good offensive reads and he, he gave away the puck. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does. I mean, he's known as a goal scorer and, um, I like your point about early in training camp. Remember there was, I think it might've been Magnus Pajarvi's first year, you know, he came in here and ripped it up in, in training camp Mm -hmm. and, um, that was as good as he probably ever looked for the Edmonton owners. Magnus Pajarvi is now with, Moscow Dynamo, as far as I can tell. I remember being on the Flames broadcast crew back in the 90s, and a guy came to to Flames camp called Sean Heafy. Uh, And over the first half of training camp, Sean Heafy looked like a terrific player. Um, uh, And most people are going, who the hell is Sean Heafy? Exactly. (laughs) 
this guy, he just ripped it up in the first half of Flames training camp. And then uh-huh. once he started playing against real NHL players, he just disappeared. And that's where I learned my lesson. I've been a little cautious about that sort of thing ever since. So, well, we all know from like that, just we brought this up on the podcast before. I remember just two, two or three years ago and Pugliarvi, Yamamoto and Raddy all had big scoring um, preseasons and then proceeded to crap the bed in the regular season. <laughs> so it's, it can be entirely misleading and, and uh, all right. My, uh, my second good thing is Slater Cuckoo, who I thought was the best defenseman on the ice for the Oilers easily. Yep. And um, all kinds of strong defensive plays, but just really active in the game, uh, getting involved, trying to, you know, not just playing a passive game, a quiet game. Like, you know, I often say if a defenseman's quiet, that's a good thing. You haven't seen him make a mistake. But but really, you do want, you need more from that if you're going to play in the top four in the NHL, if you're going to be better than a third-pairing demon. You, you need to make plays, and he was making plays all night long, including on the goal. It's his outshot outside shot he got a number of shots uh we don't have the st- statistics there were no statistics tonight uh official statistics from the nhl but uh yeah just a smart active and really good game i i i, li- I liked his play i wasn't ex- didn't know what to expect when slater cuckoo came to edmonton i i liked his play a lot last year mainly in in softer minutes and i was glad when they re-signed him who knows? You know, he's, he's what is he 27 now? Um, he should be in the prime of his career as a D man. And sometimes you see some of these D men who haven't been great players suddenly be, become pretty good NHL players for three or four years when they hit this age group. So that's what I'm fingers crossed. Well, and you know, David, uh, he may be a pretty important defenseman for this club in the first quarter of the season. Um, Chris Russell uh, is is still coming back from an injury. Sounds like he's getting closer, but he hasn't played an exhibition game yet. Dave Tippett was suggesting maybe Thursday he might get into his first action. And today was Duncan Keith's first on-ice session, right? So there's two of your three left-hand defensemen. Um, so I, 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 it, it gives me some confidence to see Slater Cuckoo be solid in games like this. Because I guarantee you, he's going to be getting games in the first 10, 15 games of the season while those other two guys get up to speed. And and uh, just kind of complete my thought on Cuckoo, um, I like how he jumps into the plays. He's he's active without overcommitting, uh, but he also seems to more than hold his own, blown his own, below his own goal line along the walls. In the heavy going, he's he doesn't bowl guys over, but he he doesn't get bowled over himself either. It's uh, He's right in the battle and he can... He can stick with it with with the big guys from the other clubs. So it's he's. I think he'll be he'll be a valuable piece for this club. Kurt, what is your bad thing? Yeah, um, I really had to think about the bad thing because overall, against uh, on paper a better lineup tonight, I actually thought the Oilers played okay. You know what? I I, I thought they played decent tonight. Uh, the one weakness that I did see was their one D pairing. Uh, of Philip Broberg uh, and 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 his buddy Berglund on on the right hand side, uh, I thought they were the weakest uh, pairing that the Oilers had tonight. Um, what I want to say about about Philip Broberg is he is the prototypical toolsy prospect. When you watch the guy, it's clear he's got an immense amount of skill. He's a terrific, powerful skater. He, he's he's already got a man's body. He he competes really well in the heavy going. 
handles the puck beautifully. Like, there's a lot to like about this player. But when you watch him against a mostly NHL squad like the Kraken Ice tonight, you can kind of see how he, he has all those tools, but he hasn't figured out how to put them all into the toolbox at the same time. Uh, and that's usually something that, you know, a half or three quarters of an AHL season will help you do. And what I saw tonight was a guy with all kinds of skill who I think will be a really good top four NHL D-man who needs more seasoning to bring all of those tools kind of under 110. And, and, for, and for, for Berglund, you know what, I just, I just thought he was a little bit over in over his head um, tonight and is just, just generally, I mean, I think if we're being honest, he's probably, a, he's probably a, an 8-9. Um, you know, good, good depth organizational defenseman. I, I'm not down on the guy. But I think that's probably where he slots in in the organization. And when you watch him tonight, you kind of go, yeah, I think that's probably about where he is. I liked him better. I, I think I like, I've liked him better, Kurt, than, than how you're assessing him. And um, I, think he's, I think he's steady. And I think he's, he's you know, I, there was a couple. So there's a couple of mistakes that he made in the third period. He got mm-hmm. caught on a two-on-one. Uh, up at the blue line and 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 Philip Broberry bailed him out with a sliding stop. Yeah, beautiful um, play in that two on one. Yeah. Yeah. Broberry was high event. He 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 made a lot of mistakes. He also made a lot of good plays, but completely yep. agree with you that he needs AHL time. Um and then on the on the tying goal for Seattle, uh uh Barry Lind could have tied up in front of the net um uh Schwartz. I mean, he was there yeah. and he probably, you know, Loggison was, I think he thought Loggison had the guy, but Loggison was focused on another guy who was behind him. Yeah. And um, yeah, so other than those two mistakes, so I thought he was uh, just, he's a calm, he moves the puck well, he's usually in position. I, I think he could hang in there, Kurt, uh, on a third pairing in the NHL after, you know, especially after he plays about 20 games. So he's, I think he's, on the right side, if there is an injury, he's. I think he's the next guy who will get called up. And I don't think in in a third pairing that he will crater the Oilers. I think he'll be okay. It would. It, I'll be honest. It would worry me if that were the situation. But we'll just have to bet a coffee on Jasper Av next time we're together on that one, and, <laughs> and, and and see how it transpires. So I guess they could play. I guess they could play Chris Russell on the, like, you know, if they're looking I, for I another think, right side and they would probably or, do that knowing Tippett. Yeah, or they, Cuckoo who has played right side as well. Or Cuckoo. So, Cuckoo's yeah. in the lineup this year. I, I, every yeah. game, I don't know how many exhibition games he's played two or three, I think now, but he's been, I bet you he plays, I bet you he plays 60 games this year, David. Yeah. The thing I worry about him every time I see him take a hit now, I'm worried he's going to get injured because he, you know, <laughs> the, the old the shoulder. Yeah, the, was that what it was? Yeah, the collarbone. It's just yeah, like, oh, geez, don't get hurt, buddy. You, like you're, you're like he's really playing his best hockey of his life right now, Slater Cuckoo. And I just want to see him stay because I think if he stays healthy, he can he can fulfill his two year contract to the Edmonton Oilers, and that will be mm-hmm. considered a good signing by by the Oilers. Okay, my bad thing, Kurt, was the <clears throat> overtime penalty on Kyler Yamamoto. Okay, <laughs> what I saw. What I saw there was Yamamoto lifting the guy's stick, popping his stick. And I think, listen, if that's a penalty, like I don't want, well, I'm going to bring up the Connor McDavid example again. 
If that's a penalty, Connor McDavid wouldn't have like, you know, usually we say, well, there, you could call three or four or five penalties. You could call 50 penalties on Connor McDavid if that's a penalty. Lifting a guy's stick like that, just popping it. He didn't hook. The, I don't believe he hooked the stick. I think he popped the stick. And I don't see that as a penalty at all. And neither did Yamamoto based on his expression when he was looking at the replay in the penalty box. He couldn't believe his eyes. All right. Your, your counter argument. Let's hear it. Um, if, if, if we're going to argue the call in the context of what didn't get called against McDavid last year, I'll lose the argument <laughs> nine and a half times out of ten. Um, <laughs> what, what I'll say was I think any time when an opposing player has a scoring chance, which that was, and, uh-huh. and you get your stick in the position that Yamamoto got a stick in, you're going to get it called against you the majority of times. Uh, and so did I think it was flagrant? No. But if they're calling it by the book, I'd say that was a penalty. And if I was refereeing, I probably would have called it. Um, so, yeah, like that. Uh, for, for, you've made some good points. Like it was this, because it was a scoring chance position. But again, I just think you're not allowed to lift a guy's stick. I mean, come on. Are, really? Aren't you allowed to do that? Like, I don't. I, what 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 penalty? He didn't hook the guy. He, well, I think if you look stick. at the blade of his stick uh, and where the guy's hands were, I think that's what what the call resulted from. You think he might have got it in his hands? I, I, um, yeah. If that's if that how, that's if, how I okay. saw it, you'd have to go over the replay again, and maybe I'll do that, and maybe I'll see that I was incorrect. Uh, if he got him in the hands, obviously I agree. I would agree with you. I, I just think he got him actually fairly low down on the stick there. Number. I think Kurt. it's fair to say. I think it's fair to say it was a ticky tack call. I'll 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 go that far on you that I. I didn't think it was flagrant and I think he could have let it go and it wouldn't have been the end of the world. So hometown call. All right. Uh, what do you think of the Kraken, by the way? I'm not that impressed. Like, honestly, like if that's the best they have, maybe I'll be proven dead wrong on this, but I'm just thinking, I don't know where they're going to get goals from, honestly, on that team. Uh, I was, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think they'll be a solid competitive team night in and night out, but I think they will be sorely challenged uh, oh, hang on. My lights will come back in a second. But I think they'll be sorely challenged to score enough goals to win many games this year. I, I, I think that's what that team is. They're a solid, you know, defensive NHL team with good goaling. Uh, but unless Jordan Everly shoots the, shoots the lights out and like McCann has like a career year, even if that happens, I don't think they're going to score enough goals. Some people have them in the playoffs. I don't think so. Yeah, well, again, you know, Larson is a pretty good player, and um, Yanni Gord is a pretty good player. Though, so, the, so their two best, their best defensemen and their best four were not in the game tonight. Yeah. But um, if Adam Larson and Yanni Gord are your best, games, are your best right? players, your best forward and your best defenseman, I mean, you're not necessarily a playoff team in the NHL. Like, and I have a ton of respect for Adam Larson as a hockey player, and say, and Yanni Gord. So, but yeah. um, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Um, did you give your number? Just wait. I didn't. Uh, my numbers are four and zero. Okay. Um, four, four was the number of shots on net that Brendan Perlini had tonight. And zero was the number of shots on net that Tyler Benson had tonight. Yeah. Um, that may feel like a shot against Tyler Benson. I think like you, David, I actually thought that Benson probably had his best game of the preseason tonight. I, I thought he played quite well. He played a smart game. Uh, he, he was physical. He took the body when it was called for, made some nice little plays with a puck, had some chemistry with, with Ryan McLeod. The problem is to this point, 
Um, if you're going to pick someone who's going to have a bigger impact on in that four right wing and that four left wing slot, I think it's to this point it's Brendan Perlini. Um, yeah. Now I, from a now from a contractual standpoint, um, I think that Benson will get claimed if they waive him. And and so as a result, even though I think Perlini to this point has outplayed him marginally, I think it's closer than probably a lot of people realize because of the waiver factor. And so yeah, that's that's my my numbers are four and zero and my quick little bits on that that battle for that four right four left wing spot. I think they wanted, I agree that Perlini's, obviously he's been far more flashy and far more effective. Like he's got a great shot. Benson does not have a great shot. And no. Perlini's big and he's fast. Benson is not that big and he's not that fast. He's a smart player. He makes great passes and he's made some great passes. They haven't been converted, but he has, and all night long, I thought he was good with the puck. And, and I don't know what Tippett is looking for in that role. If he wants a more flashy offensive player, Perlini's obviously it. But if he wants a more a safer player, um, and who can also kill penalties, that might be Benson. So Benson, because of his, I, I think just for the role, he may may have an edge still. They also have to fill Archibald's slot, so they could move someone over to the other wing, and uh, you know they could move Hyman to the other wing. Uh, apparently, uh, I'm hearing that he he can play both wings, and um, you could have Puliyarvi yeah. and Yamamoto, uh, and Hyman on that right wing, and um, that opens up then another left wing spot, I guess. For for you'd have Benson and Perlini. I don't know if they'd want to do that. Does that make sense? I don't know if Fogel can play both wings. Anyway, there's 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 a number of combinations and permutations. There's a and there's just there's two jobs. There's not just there's mm-hmm. not just one. So. Um, now Devin Shore may take that job. There's also talk about Ryan McLeod maybe get, being sent to the minors, and and again he wasn't he was okay tonight, but he wasn't that good. Yeah. He's yeah. not looking like he he's not looking like he definitely belongs in the NHL. And they could because he's he can, McLeod can go through waivers, Kurt, mm-hmm. send him to the AHL and keep Benson around because they might lose him in on waivers. So on this topic, did you notice who was taking draws on his strong side tonight? I I did not Colton Sevier with and he was out there with uh, I am not yeah. a Colton Sevier fan yeah like, and, I'm and, not and we and we I am and we, not and we disagree that. like Josh Archibald so long uh, uh, I don't no, think I, he's going to play this year David I don't I, I I had lots of good things to say about Josh as a player I don't think he's going to play this year and I think if you're looking for a plug and play guy who can basically do the same thing that Archibald did. Colton Sevier is the guy that can do that. Um, and the difference is, is he quite as good of a skater as Archibald? No, not. But Sevier can also play a little bit of center and take some draws at an NHL level. Uh, I, th- I think the right wing decision's easy. I think it's the left one is the one that they're, that they're sweating. I see Sevier as a slower version of Archibald who doesn't hit. And the two things that make Archibald an NHL player are his speed and his hitting. So you take away those two things. What do you have? I, I'm not. Look, I'm I'll not, take Josh Archibald if he can play, David. No, no, no. I don't he, think that's I'm not saying be a factor, right? I'm just saying I don't see what Colton Seaver really brings. Like, uh, yeah, sorry. I, I think he's a solid NHL fourth line, but a solid fourth line NHL winger. I'd have him on my team. 
I I Tippett may well agree with you. I'm not. I I wouldn't be surprised. He's reliable. He doesn't make mistakes. Plays a solid, quiet game. Skates oh, man, well I would rather kill have, penalties. I would take draws have, on his strong side. I would rather have Alex Chase on all day long over Colton Sevier. Except on the face off. Well, Alex, well, Alex Chase on's not going to win face offs or kill penalties for you. We're but you got lots of you have lots of guys who can kill penalties because Fog, both Fogel and Hyman can kill penalties. So, yeah, but uh, Hyman's uh, also going to be on the power play, and, and how much ice time are you going to give him? Right? Yes, he can. So can Connor McDavid. But do you want them both on on the PK? I don't think Connor McDavid kill penalties honestly oh uh, i think he's good enough to do anything <laughs> if, if he wanted if it was his if it was his you know passion his yeah. raison, yeah. raison yeah, no. d'etre but it is not hey, you know and same I with dry say, settle, i don't really love either of them on the pk uh, uh, see, i think i think dry is an excellent family killer <laughs> it, it's it's funny this is related but not people often say boy you seem to argue a lot with david staples and they say you know that's really funny because david and i are really good friends <laughs> and really have a lot of respect for one another. We just happen to have different opinions. That's all. <laughs> so. I like Drysaddle on the PK when it's five on three. Um, he's it's, he's exceptional in that role. I agree yeah. with you there. Yeah. yeah. People say we argue a lot. I've never even noticed that, Kurt. And maybe it's because I, I argue I, with everybody. I haven't noticed it either, but I've had it said to me. <laughs> I, I I think I've been accused of being argumentative, so maybe I'm starting them, David. Could be. There you go, Kurt. You. <laughs> oh, but you. Yeah. It's all me. Yeah. Uh, Duncan Keith statement today about, uh, vaccination, Kurt, what did you make of it? What was your take? Yeah, I, I, uh, I'll kind of reprise what I said on Twitter today. I, I look at this from two standpoints, from the social standpoint where we would wish that professional athletes would set a good example. I wish Duncan Keith was setting a better example with what he was saying. Period. My next sentence in terms of pure hockey in the game on the ice, Duncan Keith has done what is required to be a full-time, full-fledged member of the Edmonton Oilers. For that, I applaud him. Uh, and I respect that even though he felt he had a tough decision, he made the right one for his team and whether he knows it or not, for himself as well. And so as far as I'm concerned, on the ice, from me, case closed. It's done. Move on. I do wish he would say something different, but hey, people are entitled to their opinion. At the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned, he did write what mattered, David, which was what was right for his teammates. And his and himself too. And himself. Like you and I both know that. And right? I and yeah. I think he will I think two or three months from now, he'll just realize like I don't know what he he will realize. Here's what I you know, I, I I took the AstraZeneca vaccine and when it was, when it was being, uh, that was in the moment where there was, you know, the first reports of myocarditis with AstraZeneca and it was kind of a big thing for a couple of weeks. I mean, the head of the Canadian vaccine, the, the head of the Canadian immunology advisory council said she wouldn't advise it. Her sister takes it. Like the leading Canadian expert said that about the AstraZeneca vaccine. So yeah, mm. was I a little bit nervous? I, I was thinking about that. I'm thinking what's mm. going on here. Mm. Uh, nonetheless, I, took it because we got to open up and um, to open up people have got to get vaccinated and I'm one of those people. So mm-hmm. yeah. took one to the team. And you know what? I, I I had a fairly strong sense of relief a few weeks later. I was thinking that was a really, you know, just in terms of my personal health, like it wasn't yeah. top of mind, but after a while and, and now like where 
it's a couple three four months later there's no i never had any side effects at all i'm double vaccinated it's just like yep what was i worried about i guess i was worried about that what that the head of the, the the vaccine advisory council said honestly that's what i was worried about what a dim bulb but um sure but david you're a smart guy and you educated yourself and you made a good decision right i mean it's you know that's so that's the end of duncan, it. So here's what i would think about duncan keith here's what i thought i thought i agreed i i got what he was saying like he's a health fanatic he's 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 a very healthy person he takes care of himself he's totally you know he probably you know he probably uh, measures how many Cheerios he eats in the morning. He probably hasn't had a Cheerio in 30 years. He, he, you know, he's, he is a, he is a health machine, you mm-hmm. know, in a way that most people can't fathom the, the amount that he thinks about his diet, thinks about his exercise. It's just so far beyond, I think what most people do in their lives and how most mm-hmm. people look at the world that it's difficult to understand his position. It, it could be, but you know, he, I don't, he's looking at himself. He's thinking, what are the chances I'm going to get sick from COVID? He's thinking really low because I take such good care of myself. What are the chances? And now where I think he gets it wrong, really wrong is when he's thinking about this vaccine possibly harming him. I just think he's, that's where he's, that's where he's, his, his risk, uh, riskometer is way off. He's thinking lights are flashing when really it's like, just settle down. Well, and the other thing I don't think he's, yeah, but. and I don't. The other thing I don't think he's considering, David, is so let's just suspend belief for a moment and let's assume he is has such a strong immune system that he wouldn't get terribly sick from it. Well, what are the chances that everybody in that room has the same strong immune system that he does? So even Enjoy if he doesn't term? get sick, yeah, right. Oh well, they're all easy, they, they're all yeah, vaccinated. Yeah, vaccinated, but that but as you know, that doesn't matter. You can still carry it. And so, and so then one of what, one of, if one of those players takes it home to one of their kids who can't be vaccinated or takes it home to one of their elderly parents who, as you know, even if you're double vaccinated, if you're old and you have pre-existing health conditions, you are still at a risk. So I think there are other considerations that he's just missed and I'm sorry that he's missed <laughs> them. Yeah. Um, but from a hockey standpoint, I'll come back to what I said before. He did what was required and I respect him for making that decision. And I'm looking forward to, and I'm sure he is too, talking about Duncan Keith on the ice as opposed to off the ice. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, like, I don't know how well his press conference went over today. I don't think it went over real well with a lot of people. I, I'm okay with people, you know, uh, I think it's a personal health decision and I usually don't weigh in on other people's per- personal yeah. health. I haven't throughout my life and I'm not, I don't think I'll start now. Although if I'm completely honest, I understand we all need to get vaccinated. So yeah. on a, on an individual level, I don't want to castigate someone who doesn't, but I also understand we've all got to step up and get vaccinated. So I, you know, I have kind of a conflict conflicting ideas about yeah. this. So. Well, it's a good point. Let me throw in this one more point because I do think it's important. Um, I'm not going to be the guy who's going to sit here and criticize him too long or too hard because the fact of the matter is he did get the vaccination and there's there's millions of Canadians out there that we still need to get this shot, David. And so if we're going to criticize a guy like this who did get the shot, well, then how do we think we're going to convince everybody else? So I think I do think we have to be cautious in how we approach someone who went through for them was a difficult decision and then ultimately made it. If we judge them too harshly, are we just pushing away the other people that we want to get the shot. I, I think that's a, I think that's a danger that we have to be aware of. I think 
when we deal with the reality of this, Kurt, the way we're going to get those other people vaccinated is the way that Duncan Keith got vaccinated in that something really important to them will get taken away mm-hmm. if they don't get vaccinated. And it's yeah. going to be through coercion. And, you know, that's he was he he's mad because he feels feels he was coerced into taking it. And the, the and but that's how it's going to happen. And uh, Duncan Keith evolving wild. The website has has a has a little tweet out here are the five worst defensemen uh in the nhl i think jacob larson mark edward vlasic duncan keith rasmus ristolainen and mark stall evolving wild who uh, made their name in edmonton for saying valerie nikushkin was a better player than leon dreisaitl in the year leon dreisaitl won uh his and i'll just his mvp award and i'll just leave that there anyway like i i i'm glad we're we're shifting to duncan keith the player as well yeah, I have no idea how he's going to play. I I didn't see him play last year. Maybe he's, maybe he's lost a step and he's not up to it anymore. We'll we'll find out. But I'm just really curious to see how he does on the ice. And as you say, he did get vaccinated. He's out there like I, it's it's over and it will be it, and it will be forgotten soon by most people. Although the Duncan Keith haters will, uh, <laughs> will, will hold on to that. Yeah, uh, it's their favorite. I don't know, blanky. Um, anything else, Kurt? I'm just looking up and down the lineup, wondering if there was anything else. Oh, my, um, number. my number. Oh, yeah. God, we missed two. your number. Go ahead, David. My number is two. That's, those are the number of punches that uh, Brad Malone landed ah. in his fight. He, he knocked the guy's helmet off with one, and then he corked him with the other. You don't <laughs> see many fights in the NHL, even in preseason anymore. But Malone's a, a tough character, and he and he and he got in that scrap, and he and he didn't go looking for it. He, he was challenged nope. after a hit, and yeah. he just up for himself. So, you know, for a guy who's on an AHL deal and is going to play in the AHL this year, over these last two games, you sure have to admire uh, the effort and the commitment that that guy puts into hockey. And no wonder he's a he's a he's a captain of a professional hockey team. So. And a big part of that Bakersfield team. All right, I'm going to subscribe to the Bakersfield. Um, I don't think it's that. I think it's, I, I don't sure. I think it's either like a hundred bucks. I can't remember how much it is to get the Bakersfield games. It might even be less than that. And uh, I want to see Philip Roberry play um, down there. But, you know, it's it's also fun to see these veterans like Malone and and probably Marodi will be down there, I'm guessing. Yeah, Marodi was kind of invisible tonight. I think he'll be down there. And, yeah. He has been in the preseason. He, it, it's, um, he, he just can't keep up, David. It's true, Kurt. Yeah, yeah. it's a fair comment. He he struggles to keep up with the pace of an NHL game. So, and and who else? There, there's going to be all kinds of really good players down there. Rafael Lavoie will be there. Ilya Konovalov, mm-hmm. Skinner. So lots to watch in in Bakersfield, including a real them. a real fun uh, big defense to watch down there this year. I think, right? The big boys brigade. Yeah. Alrighty, Kurt. Well, thanks for filling in on short notice for Bruce, and <laughs> uh, much appreciated. It's always great talking to you, David. Take care. Good night, everybody. Yeah, good to talk to you too, Kurt. And in the meantime. And in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.